Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to this LRB podcast, the latest in the series about British and American poetry, which draws on the rich archive of essays and reviews and memoirs that have appeared over the years in the London Review of Books. My name is Seamus Perry. I teach English at the University of Oxford, and I'm talking with Mark Ford, poet, critic, and professor of English at the University College London. And our subject today is the great Irish poet Seamus Heaney. So I should qualify my description of this series as being about British and American poetry to being about poetry written in English. Um, Heaney was born in April 1939 in uh, Mossbaum near Castledown in County Derry, a subject of the British Queen. Uh, he went to a boarding school after passing the 11 plus, then on to Queen's Belfast on a state exhibition where he obviously had an extraordinarily uh, distinguished undergraduate career, graduating in English with uh, a first. He had a spell as a teacher and then as a, a lecturer in a college of education and then moved back to um, Queen's as a, uh, as a lecturer where he fell into um, the company of Philip Hobsbawm, a very charismatic lecturer in the English department at the time and joined something called The Group, which had, among other members, Michael Longley and Edna Longley and Bernard McClaverty. And this is, as it were, where he cut his teeth as a young poet. Um, but the turning point, Mark, really happens in 1964. Yes. He sends out poems uh, to various London-based magazines um, in the early 60s and has no joy. But finally, he uh, gets a telephone call while he's teaching, and it is uh, from the founder of the London Review of Books, Carl Miller, who was at that time um, editing The New Statesman. And... Uh, Heaney rushes from his class, he takes the telephone call, and it's Carl at the other end, uh, telling him that uh, he's like to print three of the poems that have been uh, brought to his attention. Uh, and that then triggers a request from Charles Monteith, uh, who is also from Northern Ireland, but um, uh, a Protestant rather than a Catholic for a full manuscript uh, Heaney rushes home uh, and starts writing more poems and um, the result is Death for Naturalist which launched him in a way which few first books launch poets. It was extremely popular well received, won prizes uh, and it established the kind of template of the Heaney poem Yes, this is one of those books that you could not say uh, fell stillborn from the press could you? It won, won absolutely every prize that was going and establishes him as a, as a leading poetic voice um, immediately I mean as it were on, on a different paradigm he woke up and found himself famous And I think it's worth putting it in the kind of context of the literary or the poetic world at the time that kind of modernism had run its course to some extent that there had been the con so-called confessional poets in America such as Lowell with whom Heaney became um, uh, very close or uh, for a period in the 70s. Uh, uh, and there was the movement, uh, the, the Larkin-style uh, poem was kind of uh, dominating the, the concept of what, of what um, uh, uh, 
uh, an English, and I use the word advice in English poem, should be. And there were, of course, other poets like Basil Bunting and so on. But Heaney um, hit, hit a spot with readers who were not particularly enamoured of where modernism had gone to, that this, the poetry in um, Death of a Naturalist and then in Door into the Dark and uh, Wintering Out as well, kind of hymned a kind of a rural, a rural uh, concept of poetry that harked back to the beginning of the century in some ways. I'm not saying that's what that he is uh, uh, can be construed in those terms, but I think part of the initial popularity derived from the extent to which readers could read Digging and say, I know what this poem is about and I can relate to it. So Digging, you mentioned Digging, digging is not the first poem he wrote, is it, uh, that was included in the volume, but it's the, it's the poem that he, he put first. Um, and in interview, um, he described it as a strength giver. And where else could it be placed, he said, except first? And it's first in Death of a Naturalist, and then it's also first in his own selection of his poems, isn't it? So it's like this is the inaugural poem in his, in his mind. Why, how do you think it functions in that way for him? Well, in a very kind of obvious, you could say, Oedipal way, because it relates to his father and the way in which he uh, will not dig like his father, he will write... Um, between my finger and my thumb, the squat pen rests, snug as a gun. It's probably a coincidence that the word gun features in the second line of Hardy's, uh, of Heaney's oeuvre, uh, g- given the extent to which he, the poems that he writes about, the, the, about violence uh, in the late 60s and, and 70s are, are so much preoccupied with guns. He's using it here as a rather kind of innocent metaphor, or perhaps not so innocent, but certainly not in, an, in a kind of violent way. But violence will become kind of uh, uh, endemic in, in kind of the, 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 the subjects that Heaney writes about. It's a farmer's gun, isn't it, here, I think? Yes. Uh, uh, but uh, beneath him is his father digging uh, under my window, a clean rasping sound when the spade sinks into gravelly ground my father digging. Uh, So he's making that contrast between his father as a kind of um, uh, working the land and he's working his imagination and writing poetry. And he establishes a a relationship between them which is not at all patronising towards his father. I think that's one of the most... um, uh, uplifting or moving aspects of the poem that it sees uh, that it very much values uh, some people might say overvalues the kind of rural traditions of which Heaney grew up with and the extent to which um, his own ideal of and we're talking about manhood here in particular that, 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 that this is a very much a patrilineal uh, poem. Um, we might talk about his relationship with his mother and, and the mother of the Catholic Church a bit later, but he starts off with this uh, patrilineal concept of himself as a writer and it developing in some ways quite naturally out of um, uh, a natural development from his father's digging. So there isn't this abrupt break. He's not rejecting his father's world at all. In fact, the opposite. Heaney draws on his childhood to an extent which is possibly comparable only to Wordsworth in the the number of poems he manages to get out of those first 16, 17 years? Yes, I think you're absolutely right to say that, that, that it's a wonderful poem about being up in his, his bedroom, presumably, looking, looking down on his father, but the poem is about not looking down on his father in another sense. Uh, and it's about a generational difference and, and a difference in... Um, uh, in your life prospects that comes from having different sorts of educational backgrounds. So in that sort of sense, it ties in with a lot of you know, socially minded literature of the later 1960s about 
working class people have been sent away to grammar school and then come back and don't click anymore. But as you say, it doesn't have that sense of disjunction in the end. Um, he, he, needs, he ends the poem by saying, between my finger and my thumb, the squat pen rests, I'll dig with it. So as you say, he's actually engaging in a, in a way in exactly the same activity as his father. A, a transposition into words of what his father's doing. And that was crucial for Heaney's sense of his own poetic um, imagination, its continuity. Uh, he has a, a metaphor he uses quite often relating to the myth of Hercules and Antaeus, that if Hercules can lift Antaeus off the ground, then he will lose his strength. So Heaney has to feel, even if he's being a jet-setter, meeting the Empress of Japan one day uh, or att attending the kind of 2,500th anniversary of the birth of Sophocles, another, uh, he has to... Uh, feel connected to the ground. And one way he does that, which was extremely effective and much liked, was by creating poetic sounds that replicate uh, particularly the feel of, of wet Irish land, the cold smell of potato mould, the squelch and slap of soggy peat, the curt cuts of an edge through living roots. Um, that People have often parodied the extent to which Heaney's uh, poetry is mimetic of a certain kind of bog land, to use one of his most famous uh, landscapes. Uh, but he does has this extraordinary ability to to use assonance and rhyme and all the kind of tricks of the poet's trade, which were in some ways a more, I won't say sophisticated, but a more, um, a less kind of open-ended or less generous sense of the imagination might think that these were cliches or might kind of reject them as somehow belonging to a school sort of poetry. Uh, Heaney was able to make use of them in a, I'm not saying an unselfconscious way, I think it was very self-conscious, but in a way that recovered them for poetry when they had been lost to irony and to the sense that poetry should be more sophisticated than that, more knowing, uh, more postmodernist. So for those who feel kind of alienated or deracinated in the kind of post-war world, Heaney's poetry offered a, a kind of link back to a connection with the, with the, the ground um, to use that Antaeus met metaphor. Um, and a lot of the poems in this first book are about uh, his childhood and about his ability to transcribe or kind of recreate moments from his childhood in Castle Dawson. So if you have a particularly hard-nosed kind of reader, like, for example, Ian, Ian Hamilton, who, who, who writes about Heaney in the, in the London Review of Books um, later, in the 1980s, uh, Hamilton looks upon this sort of cult of onomatopoeia and this kind of very rich kind of sensuous language which is coming out, of, I suppose, sort of a bit out of Hughes and a bit out of Hopkins and that sort of thing. He looks upon this with acute mistrust, really. Yes, uh, and Terry Eagleton has another piece uh, on on the Beowulf translation in which he talks of of Heaney as kind of um, he, he talks of him as kind of theory allergic, uh, and the, the theory would say that there's no connection between a thing and the word which presents that thing. But other readers of poetry have always enjoyed words which do pretend or create the illusion, at least, that they are um, squelching and slapping if they're describing something which is squelchy and slappy. Um, so uh, Heaney coming from his, uh, I mean, you talked about his time at uh, Queen's Belfast. He was extremely well uh, educated 
uh, I think that's a kind of primary thing to communicate. And and he read um, not only in English but in Latin. He was taught Latin as well. And Virgil, particularly Aeneid Book Six, becomes crucial um, to him as a. Uh, 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 and he translates that towards the end of his life. Um, so there's many ways in which he was a very erudite poet who was also able to recover a kind of sensory primacy, I suppose, in these early poems, um, which um, seemed very fresh and new and original. Um, and although it's been imitated, it did recover for poetry a lot of the things which late modernism or postmodernism seemed to pres- pres- suggested were illicit or not allowed yeah, anymore. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this extract from Series 1 of Modernish Poets. To listen to the full series and to all our other close reading series, sign up at lrb.me forward slash close readings or click on the link below.